0: you can have really good quality and maybe a little bit less quantity but you will still get a good results so but you can also have a lot of quantity maybe not that good quality and still get a good results but i think it starts with the quantity and then you will add quality over time this
1: is rev ops demystified the number 1 most downloaded podcast in revenue operations we invite the brightest minds in revops onto the show to deconstruct the what why and how behind rep productivity forecasting metrics and all things revenue this podcast is brought to you by ebster a revenue intelligence platform used to identify risk in the pipeline and score customer engagement. Hello and welcome to another very special episode of the Sales Ops Demystified podcast. Today, we're joined by Adam Venhoff, who is a sales operations manager at Get Except Adam, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I've been actually listening to the podcast for, I think it's like a year, year and a half, something like that. Really? Yeah, true. H- how and many episodes, uh, yeah. roughly, have you listened to? It must be around like 25, 30, I think. Okay.
1: Something like that. So-, so
0: not everyone, but I like cherry picked some that I thought was interesting.
1: Well, we are clearly going to have to mix it up a little bit here then, um, if, you, if you know all the potential questions that are coming. Um, but I first want to dig into, because I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Adam, you have sales skills, is that correct?
0: Yeah, hopefully, at least. <laughs>
1: and then you've had roles where you've been responsible
0: for selling stuff. Yeah, exactly. Start as an account executive.
1: Cool. Um, why did you move to sales ops?
0: I would say I can give a little bit of background. So I joined GetAccept in 2016 as employee number six and start off as, as an AE uh, selling the GetAccept platform. And after a while, when we started to expand, I um, got the possibility to uh, be team leader from one of our sales teams in Sweden. And that's where I started to implement a lot of processes and structure, both in my own sales process, but also in the team. And then we, when we got the Series A round from D and Capital, that's when we really started to like push the the pedal to the metal, and we needed someone to kind of create, take ownership and create the structure for the full sales team. So, um, and I thought that was super exciting and a role that I think still enjoy today. So, um, yeah, that's a little bit about the background.
1: Makes total sense because now I'm seeing on LinkedIn you guys are 176 employees, so it's been 170 people roughly. Join after you. It must have been quite a journey. And I do want to dig into that. Um, But before, right now, how many sales reps are you responsible for?
0: So we have a team of uh, SDRs, AGs, CSMs, uh, also an enterprise team and an engagement team as well that is responsible for usage in the product. But we have approximately 55, 60 reps split out on the different roles.
1: And how many people in the sales ops team?
0: Uh, right now, it's only me. Uh, we have one uh, intern as well. And then we are hiring a um, sales enablement person as well um, that will take some of the tasks and responsibilities that I, I have had actually and, uh, and work even more with that.
1: And are the CSMs also under your remit?
0: Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's more of a go-to-market approach, I would say. But to some extent, the CSMs are still a part of the sales ops uh, roof, so to speak. But mainly a bit bit more focus on the go-to-market, so SDRs and AEs.
1: And what's your biggest challenge right now?
0: Um, book more deals, I would say. That's uh, that's the classic one. How can you build pipe in an efficient and structured and scalable way? So mm-hmm. that's what we're uh, focusing a lot on right now.
1: Has anything worked well recently for that? Like maybe a new way of training the SDRs or a new way of finding leads that could that are like suitable for the product?
0: I think three parts. The first part is that a lot of the SDR process has been under my roof as well, but we hire an SDR manager that is more responsible for that, so we have a very close collaboration. I think the second part is that we have good enough data so we can actually filter in the CRM and be quite efficient in filtering, for example, segment or number of sales reps, because that's crucial for us when prospecting. Um, But also as a last step now, we're actually in the first phase of implementing kind of a central leads machine that will distribute leads to to the entire go-to-market team. So um, that is actually a super exciting product that we just started that's looking forward to uh, get some feedback and see the results on.
1: Let's talk more about the central leads machine. And so what I'm hearing is that I guess any inbound leads or maybe any outbound leads that we know are qualified are being put into this thing, which is then spitting them out to the right person.
0: Exactly. So you can split it up in two. So we have the inbound machine uh, and there we have built since uh, a while ago. We have built um, kind of an automated workflow based on, on the country and MGL type and, and everything like that. So that is then spitting out the leads and the tasks in our CRM, which is HubSpot, to the right people at the right time. And we can also attribute a lot of data and kind of see um, the different metrics through the funnel as well. The second step that we're now looking into is how can we do that? Um, from a central perspective with the sales ops coordinator that will use a lot of the data that we have in the crm improve that over time and then in the long run i think being able to it will be a mix of manual and automated process but being able to push leads to the different reps using the crm data and also using the different prospecting tools that we have
1: awesome and you have any other strategies planned to help build more pipeline or are these going to be top secret
0: uh, I think that that's top secret. And then, as I always say, it's activity is the key. Like, if you ha- don't have any activity, you won't book any meetings. Um, so I think, yes, you can automate a lot of things, but you need to have kind of the activity baseline because if you don't have that, then and I, I don't think uh, it will be successful.
1: And so this is specifically for the SDR team, right?
0: Mainly SDR team, but also the AE team who has a lot of different things on their plate. There are, booking meetings, they're running demos, they're negotiating, they book next steps. So how can we uh, save time from them and also make sure that they focus on the right type of companies, meaning our ICP.
1: Got it. So there's two different challenges here I'm seeing. I'd like to probably focus on the first one, which is getting the SDRs to do more activity. Do you have any tips to share on how you've been able to do that?
0: I think that 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 is always a a tricky part in how you can increase activity. What I like to do is create some kind of gamification. So we have been using a gamification tool that once we actually were in the the office, (laughs) not, not anymore, but where you can showcase, for example, number of calls, number of booked meetings, but also creating that gamification when something happens. And you can do that not only using a specific tool, but you can push and automate that to, for example, Slack. So when someone books a meeting, and they will be showcased in a specific Slack channel, and everyone will just share them on, and, and that will create engagement, and engagement will then create activity, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and you're, they're also getting the uh, like a mini status boost when the, the whole channel, the recognition, exactly. exactly. Yeah, that makes sense. And then the other thing you mentioned about making sure that AMs are spending their time doing the right stuff. Can you share something you guys have done that have maybe like automated part of the process that wasn't important, or even just told them to stop doing something because it's not important? But how have you been able to ensure that ANs are doing the right stuff?
0: I think it it always starts with a very structured onboarding plan and setting the right expectations from the beginning. So we have a two week onboarding program for the entire company and especially the, the sales team where we go through each and every part of the sales process could be how to prospect, how to um, do cold calls, how to conduct demos, how to negotiate, etc. So I think it's super important to set the right kind of expectations in the beginning. Um, and then, I mean, uh there's a lot of things that that you can do
1: yeah but what you're saying essentially is the most impactful thing you can do is ensuring that they understand what's expected of them when they join but also you give them the skills to do that in the onboarding exactly awesome all right alex can we bring you in to dig a little bit deeper
2: absolutely thanks tom and thanks adam um some really interesting pieces there that yeah i'm also keen to to sort of dig into a bit more Let's start with the, the gamification piece. So, ha- have you sort of seen any success from, or you know, any noticeable impact from those sort of Slack messages and when you're in the office from the sort of those presumably like responsive leaderboards and kind of encouraging to drive activity? What was your observations from that?
0: I, I think you can do a lot of different things to to encourage the right type of behavior. So, one one example that I have is one of our. We can see big correlation depending on on kind of the the ICP company that we book uh, and create an opportunity on, and also the ARR and ACV going forward. So we know that we should focus on booking bigger companies and booking companies that we can kind of land, expand, and then explode with customer success going forward. So then we thought like, okay, but then we should maybe only push the the book deals in that kind of channel. For the ICP companies, and that actually created the right behavior in terms of then booking the outbound deals and focusing on the right type of companies, and then having the right, uh, creating the right type of of behavior.
2: Thanks. That's that's super helpful. So using it selectively to reinforce, yeah, where you want people to focus.
0: Yeah, and I think you can play around with that long term as well, depending on what kind of focus you need at at the moment. Um, Maybe you just want to. Create um, engagement in terms of activity, and you want to let everything through, or do you just want to select certain parts, maybe a specific segment or a specific vertical? So I think gamification can be used in so many different ways, mm. but it creates um, engagement and uh, recognition.
2: Yeah, no, great, and yeah, I've been following a number of people on, on sort of Twitter in the sort of the the educational tech space who so are really pushing the boundaries i think of some of the things on gamification and going beyond just having kind of rewards and actually <laughs> trying to structure everything to make it more like a, a game so so the enjoyment of doing the task and there's definitely i think a load there's a there's a huge area of really you know understanding that for for business and and, and mm. even going beyond just the recognition stage and really making the whole thing feel like a an enjoyable kind of push and but that's that's really helpful and i really like the idea of rather than just add it as a layer on top of everything, so it always happens, really make it specific. So yeah, that, yeah. that, that comes for, for exactly what you're trying to achieve.
0: Yeah, and, and just as you said, like how can you incorporate that in, in the daily work? And we have been playing around with a lot of different gamification methods. Uh, some could actually be rewards related. It could be, um, it could be that you get a specific amount of money, it could be that you get a, a, a night at a spa, Um, But I think what really matters long-term is is to create that daily structure and the daily engagement. Um, Otherwise, it can be a lot of ups and downs. And we have actually seen that as well. Like Maybe you have some kind of um, challenge and then you get a lot of activity. And then once you stop with that, then it's just going down. So how can you create that stable level? I think that's challenging for all sales reps and, and sales leaders out there.
2: No, indeed. And and I think this ties on to the next point that I really wanted to spend the rest of our time on, which was you, you saying, you know, activity is the key. Um really drilling in down into that. So do you find are you tracking certain particular activities like a discovery call booked or a demo, or are you just trying to say I want you on the phones as much as possible? What 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 sort of level or are you working to multiple levels there?
0: I think it depends on what stage you are in your sales career and, and also in the company as, as a whole. I think in, in the beginning, you just need to have a lot of activity because activity will then over time create quality. And quantity and quality is the things that will matter in the long run uh, in, in sales. Like you can have really good quality and maybe a little bit less quantity, but you will still still get a good results. So, But you can also have a lot of quantity maybe not that good quality and still get a good results. But I think it starts with the quantity and then you will add quality uh, over time. So we we are tracking each metric for each rep uh, along the way. And each rep has also done their own kind of homework or research to to try to understand how many calls or how many emails they need per person in order to get to that Uh, could be number of opportunities that, that, that you need to book or the error that you need to close. So we're carefully tracking everything along the way. So each and everyone understands what activity they need in order to get the end results. Uh, and I think as well, that creates a lot of um, ownership for the reps as well.
2: Indeed. And so from what you're saying, is it, is it sort of, is it rep specific? So. You know, reps who work slightly different ways—they may see, well, actually, I need four calls on average and ten emails. And Another one say, well, actually, I need eight calls and, and three emails because they're they're working differently. Is it that sort of idea? And you you sort of tracking people to their own benchmark, or have you got sort of standard across the team kind of goals?
0: We we have standards, but we try to to create their own kind of benchmark depending on where they are in in their career. And um, that if they do the, the homework and, and assignment themselves, that will create a lot of ownership, and then ownership will create this engagement and an activity that we talked about. And if you know that by heart, then you can really structure and plan your day depending on what you need to do and maybe what type of companies and what type of activities that you need to do to, to get to that end, end results and, and um, over overperform your targets.
2: Yeah, no, brilliant. And I think that structuring your day thing is a really <clears throat> important piece for, for all hands all of work. But yeah, particularly again for for salesman, you're right. You know, there's just a certain volume that needs to be accomplished to get anywhere. And if, if, if every day feels the same and there's not, you know, no <clears throat> no structure and nothing to kind of help you measure micro progress, then then it's going to be very tricky. So uh, I think that's really helpful. Um I just, I'm very interested because one of the big things, so I, I work um on our, our team on using sort of professional services and really helping support the, the reporting that we can do. And a big thing that we do is sort of move to beyond activity to look at engagement, sort of reciprocal engagement from, from us to, you know, third parties, whether it's prospects or customers, so that, that we can sort of merge that quality and quantity together to really drive and, and drive towards towards that and it supports multiple ways of working and as you said supporting people through through a journey of maturing and seeing that the activity is generating quality and I've just been looking to really supplement that with how, how to some best practices around just driving activity and one of the, the key ones I've been, been looking at is is that the sense of you know particularly important activities like you know you know, you know you're building out your your prediction for the for the year you, you can back calculate from your revenue goals to this is how many you know demos i need to have booked to so get the opportunity how many discovery calls i need to get my demos and and by by plugging back in and working out for us the level of engagement or as you said the level of activity to get there then you can start to work out well how many reps do i need slash how much do i need them to do a day and that's yeah been have been playing around with that so really interesting to get some of your insights on 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 that area particularly
0: yeah, exactly. And and each and every time when we plan for, for the next up, up and coming year, we always have this in, in consideration, um, both like what what is the ARR goal that we would like to achieve and what is the productivity of, of each rep or each, A, each SDR and each CSM, for example. And then you can really backtrack that to, to understand how many reps that you need to have in each specific team. And what's quite interesting as well is that the quality and quantity can also vary depending on 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 the local market. And that's something that we and, and I have learned as well uh, along the way that the markets may vary uh, quite a lot as well. For example, if you're selling in Sweden versus UK, that's a lot of difference. And we have learned a lot uh, along the way as well. So, um, yeah, I totally agree.
2: Okay, well, great. Well, thank you. And then the last piece really just to focus on was <clears throat> sort of two, two found. One is... About being employee number six in what's become a very successful, fast-growing business, um, and and I would tying that in, I suppose the other thing with being, you know, the head of your department, where the department is you, basically, or you and in an intern <laughs> currently, and and overlooking sixty reps, I think our average average number is about one to ten, one something like that. Tom, Tom will know better than I will, but. Um, so, so two things I'm really interested in you to speak to there. One is that that journey from being so early doors in success. I think that would be fascinating. And the other is also how you prioritize and how you, you, you know, there's so many things that, you, that the, the sort of sales and revenue operations hat entails and how do you prioritize working across supporting so many reps?
0: Hmm. And, yeah, it's it's been a crazy journey going from seven, uh, six or seven people that we were back then until, yeah, now when we're about about 170 um I would say that that the the culture and, and the company and the founders and the the product is what really made me uh, join get Accept in the first place and that is something that has never changed. And, and I think once you join a, an early stage company that you really need to believe in the founders and the product and kind of the direction you're going in. Uh, and I think what's has been successful for us is that we have been, uh, working very very hard and uh, looking back we kind of have switched from an, an outbound model to marketing an inbound model and now moving more to, more towards a, a plg uh, structure and, and approach so we have had a lot of different stages uh, along the way and it's not the same company that that it was like five years ago but it's in some way it still is um so i mean for me I, I gained a lot of knowledge in the beginning and i've been with the company for so long so i know each each every aspect of, of the company and i think that has been a, a key also in developing into the sales operations uh a role as well and it's, it's exactly as you said i have both sales enablement and sales operations under uh, in, in my role as a combination and it's, yeah, it's, it's hard that you need to prioritize a lot and, and you need to focus on the things that really matters. You might have like 100 things in a backlog that, you know, is important and things that you need to do. But what, what are the, some of the things that we are focusing on is OKRs, meaning objectives and key results. And each and every product that you do is this connected to kind of the long-term objective and key results. And if we have a successful project, what is the, Impact of that, and how is that connected to to the OKR? So I think that has helped me quite a lot to understand how I need to prioritize, and then just being really good at getting stuff done, and and um, not not having to uh, always have a perfect project and, and a perfect outcome, but rather yeah, getting things done. I think that's that's crucial if you're an early stage and scale up company.
2: Indeed, Now, uh, this is this is very very impressive because. I remember reading something and I'm just terrible at remembering any of these names, but it was it was basically saying how in, in sort of sales ops and rev ops that um it's very hard to to work on the important over the sort of the urgent. There's so much incoming work. Oh, this report isn't working, or this, you know, I need I need this. I haven't can't find that it can be, you know, continually sort of putting out fires and, and when do you get time to focus on the strategic side? And so yeah, making sure you're you're being very diligent, sticking to driving towards your OKRs to really make sure that you're progressing is must be a key thing. So thanks, that's yeah, really really helpful, and um, I'm sure there'll be plenty to learn on, um, for your intern and, and for people joining the team from from have been able to manage and, and run and grow so successfully. Um, so just last question from me, which is really just opening the floor to you and just. Um, any insights or anything that you want to share in the world of sort of sales ops? anything that you think is particularly interesting or maybe other people aren't really talking about enough or thinking about now a new best practice, anything like that that you might want to share with the audience?
0: Uh, first off, I think that there has been a lot of involvement within the sales ops function and, and the role. Um, I'm located in Sweden, and I can see a big, big growth both in Sweden, but also in Europe in terms of the sales ops role. So it really seems like a lot of companies, a lot of management uh, teams are actually putting money and resources into the sales ops function because um, we, we matter and we get results and, and create efficiency in structure, especially if you would like to scale in a fast and, and efficient, uh, repeatable way. So I think that's first that there has been a lot of um, um, movement there and a lot of uh, things that is, is happening. Um, what was the, the other question?
2: Oh, sure. So is it any kind of particular insight? So it's kind of floor open. Is there anything that's been on your mind about about the world of sales ops or anything that, you know, so you've just been learning? Anything kind of fresh that you've had to sort of share? I
0: also think that, that data is something that is... Uh, becoming more and more important and how it can be data-driven. And I can clearly see now that sales ops is collaborating with so many departments. It might be collaborating with marketing, who is, in in our case, is also in our CRM HubSpot. So how can we have the right data in terms of marketing activities and different sales activities that we have? And then, of course, combine that with the um, kind of centralized leads machine that we're now building. So I think data overall is, is um, a super important thing that a lot of salespeople and sales operations leader are, are now focusing a lot on.
2: Great. No, thanks very much. Um, cool. I think it's time to bring Tom back just to wrap us up.
1: But yes, Alex, you are close. The average number of reps to sales slash rev ops person is typically around 15. So you are close. But at least you know going forward. But that does. I hi- nearly still said highlight. ten to
2: fifteen, but
0: I, I backed out.
1: <laughs> it it does but highlight I mean, the pressure.
0: Compared to uh, just half a year ago, we're now almost three X the number of sales up. So uh, we're getting there closely.
1: Yeah, if uh, seems like we do a higher in the get accept sales team if you need any any like referrals for the business case for the new hire then you can send them to me and Alex (laughs) not that we would be helpful anyway final and most important question you probably heard this one before um adam it's the not the, the one person in the world of sales ops that you'd love to take for lunch
0: i mean you have interviewed 200 sales ops leaders you have probably gathered a lot of good insights and information that you can share so I would probably take you guys out for lunch.
1: <laughs> thank you. I think that's the first time we've had to answer, but we we'd be delighted to to go for to go for lunch and share the sales ops wisdom. I'm not sure how much of that I have, but Alex has definitely been accumulating significant sales ops wisdom over the last few over over the last few years. So, thank you very much, Adam. We really appreciate that, and I want to thank you for coming on. I think we may have like broken a record for a number of questions in an episode because that was quite a quick fire. So, I want to thank you for being quick and dense uh, with the value in your answers and for sharing everything that you're doing over at Get Accept. Set. seems like it's been an awesome journey, but it hasn't yet finished. Of course, there's a lot more to come. So Adam, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to this episode of RevOps Demystified. If you're listening on a podcast listening application, please follow Rate the show, and if you have any questions about the show, can recommend a guest, or just want to learn more about RevOps or epster hit us up at podcast at Ebster.com.